Hello there. How are you doing? I'm fine, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. I'm the I'm the guy that uh, didn't show up yesterday afternoon for this interview, 24 hours ago, and I talked to the people in Toronto, and they told me that uh, you were instructed to bust my balls for not showing up yesterday. Is that true? <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead, let her rip. I feel like an ass. Jeez. I'm really glad we can do this now. And um, Iron Maiden are back. Uh, the new album, Book of Souls, is the first double album, and it's on sale right now. And uh, the first album from Iron Maiden in five years. And for those who haven't heard it yet, and I can't imagine those who are listening to this interview by now have not heard this record, it is Classic Maiden. Now, this is the greatest amount of time you've had between albums. It's been five years, but it becomes for a good reason because, well, you've been dealing with tongue cancer. What were uh-huh. your, what was your first thoughts when you heard the news that you had this? Um, well, the first the first thing I said was, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 one of the first questions that the ENT um, <clears throat> consultant said to me was, uh, uh, do you have any plans? <laughs> <laughs> And and I said, uh, as of right now, uh, all my plans are cancelled. I said, the only plan I've got is trying to get rid of this. It's, that's that's my full-time job, you know, and let's see what happens at the end of it. So, um, you know, we're, whatever we were, you know, six months, six months down the line now from when I started having the treatment and I got the all clear in terms of the scan and everything else like that. So now I'm just waiting for things to heal up. We've got a tour booked um, next year, and um, I am really looking forward to getting stuck in and rehearsing and, you know, get my voice back in shape and, um, you know, really uh, really getting out and treading the boards, you know. When you found out this thing, when you walked out of the doctor's office, they gave you a, a, a pretty good chance of recovering fully from this whole thing. Is that right? Um, yeah, well, the the... I, I, they, they certainly, they certainly don't want you going out. I think with the, you know, the, the idea that it's not going to work and you're doomed, you know. Yeah. But the, um, the truth is, is that uh, until they figured out what kind of tumor it was, um, my odds were probably around about sixty forty. Um, they don't tell you that, but you can go on the internet and figure it out, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and. Uh, and then um, as soon as they figured out what kind of tumor it was, I mean, I got a phone call on Christmas Eve from the, the doc. He said, look, he said, I've got some, some good news about the, the bad news. He goes, um, it's, a, it's a, an HPV-16 tumor, um, and uh, that puts you in a whole different category of survival. You know, he said, you, you just jumped up a, a notch, you know, to around about 70, 30. And, and in actual fact, even possibly even more than that because um I don't smoke and, and never have done you know so yeah that was, I was, that was, so that was that was that was good news about the bad news you know I, I was going to say tongue cancer I always associate with heavy smokers and heavy drinkers and you know there's you need to have a word with the environment environment minister of Canada uh, age 75 exactly the same cancer as me wow uh what um and and you know and and I've met loads of since since i had this i've met what six or seven guys who i didn't know had had this and they've they've all recovered and they come from every different kind of background from fireman a diplomat a lawyer you know um, a flight instructor um, a military pilot you know i mean so this is you know across the board there's a 
there is a, an epidemic of this stuff going around in men. I mean, in women, cervical cancer, which is the same causal virus, um, in women, it's, it's, it's reasonably under control because there's a test for it. Um, and women go for regular checks and, and things like that, which is great. Uh, but with guys, there is no test and there is no evidence that, 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 uh, that you have cancer until it's you know, relatively uh, advanced. Did you, have, what was I going to say, have you, since your treatment has taken place, have you noticed any change in your speech or in the way you sing in any way? Um, I'm still not, I'm still kind of resting up in terms of uh, singing, uh, although I have given it a bit of a blast, you know, every, you know just to see what, what's, just to see what's there. Yeah. Um, and and the, the answer is, it's all there. Uh, one or two bits are maybe in a little <laughs> slightly different order because you know there's obviously a a, a big 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 lump of uh, big lump of meat that is missing from you know the inside of the uh, of the of the pipe that goes from you know my larynx up to the top of my head. So they cut some stuff out, right? No, 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 no. The radiation got rid of it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Bruce, I mean, and- that, I said to the doc, I said so. I said, uh, you know, how big, you know, how big was uh, the the primary tumor? And he said about three point five centimeters. I went, Whoa. wow. I went, that's like a golf ball. He went, yep. Wow. Through all of this thing, did you ever have any doubts? And did you ever think maybe it's time to slow down? <laughs> um. Well, I mean, I didn't have any option about slowing down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, there's. Uh, Nobody knows why, um, you know, one one group of people, uh, you know, get this get this cancer, and another group don't. Given that an awful lot of people are exposed to this virus in their lifetime, most people it's a very very easy virus to transmit, and they're still fully under, they still don't fully understand. You know all all the ways of transmission. I mean, you know, you could effectively, if anybody's ever had a veruca or a, you know a, a wart or anything like that, this is a related type of virus, and it's really easy to pick up. You know, yeah. um, the point is, is that um, you don't know necessarily that you've got it, and your body normally gets rid of it. It deals with it and it gets rid of it. However. Um, for reasons not fully understood, in guys over 40, it can persist. And in a proportion of those guys, the, the persistence can turn into cancer. Wow. Did you ever there you t- are, in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, that's, no, I don't want to dwell on this too much more, but I think... No, I mean, I, there's a great there's a, there's a record to talk about. I mean, but, yeah. but it is, you know, I mean, I, I raised it the other day in an interview. And, of course, you know, you predicted... The, there were there were some really stupid predictable headlines saying things that I did not in fact say. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, uh, but the uh, the idea was not to you know give people the opportunity to say stupid headlines. I suppose it was probably naive of me to raise raise the topic. But the sure. idea was to make guys my age aware. If you get a lump in your neck, don't ignore it. Don't think it's antibiotics. If it doesn't go away go and see a doc. And indeed, even medical professionals, some of them uh, are unaware 
um, uh, uh, of this kind of thing. I mean, a buddy of mine has just been diagnosed with this, age 52, happily married, a fashion photographer, scared out of his wits, Mm. um, was misdiagnosed twice before somebody finally went, hey, buddy, no, 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 you don't have a little cyst. You've got tongue cancer. All right. Let's anyway, leave, right. Let's back leave, to the record. Let's get back to the record. The Book of Souls is the first double album from the band. And you know what? I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that there hasn't been a double album from Iron Maiden in the past. Uh, what happened? I, 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 we, we, we may have come close. I, I mean, I didn't have my stopwatch out. But on this occasion, uh, uh, it just felt like the, completely the natural thing to do. We, we were in a pretty relaxed state when we were doing this album about things. You know, we... We weren't, we weren't in an unholy rush. Uh, we were in the studio as opposed to a rehearsal room, and what that did was that took, uh, took some of the pressure off in terms of the songs, and you know, some of them, some of them gave some of the songs a little bit more time to breathe. Yeah. Um, and we got to six tracks, and we uh, we did think, well, hang on, this is these are quite long. <laughs> and I said to Steve, and you know, we're we're, we're kind of um. We either have to stop now, or it's a double album. Um, so, you know, here we go. <laughs> it's a double album. I, I understand you guys wrote and recorded in the studio. Is this the first time you've done it this way? Yeah. Um, the, it, it, again, you know, it was one of those uh, happy accidents. I mean, it's a great studio, first of all. We made the decision to go to this particular studio because we'd already recorded there before for Brave New World and um, it, it, it's a wonderful place, it's got a fantastic atmosphere and, and you know it's, it's just a very creative vibe there but um, we were going to go to a rehearsal room and do what we usually do which is write the songs uh, rehearse them um, uh, put a rough version down on a bit of tape or you know some digital medium whatever it is these days and and then you kind of put that to one side and then you do the next one till you get to the end of the album and then you've forgotten all the stuff you did like three weeks ago and then you go in the studio and you have to relearn it and and, and do it all over again and we were going to do it that way around but then um, it was pointed out that that uh, you 2 and the Rolling Stones had both rehearsed at the same place and both had stuff ripped off by people hanging out outside with, with tape recorders wow. Um so we decided we'd go straight into the recording studio and actually rehearse in there with the advantage, of course, that you can just go straight from, from, from A to Z in terms of recording. You, 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 you don't have to bother unlearning it and relearning it. Uh, you therefore get all the spontaneity and, and wonderful stuff that comes from actually being in a studio. And some of the long songs, some of the more you know, ambitious tracks, um, simply could not have been conceived of if we weren't in the studio when we were writing. There's a song on here that you contribute that's over 18 minutes long, and I guess it is the longest Iron Maiden song ever recorded. Using that song as kind of an idea, tell it, take us, take fans through the process of, you know, the song that's in your head, the maybe the demo that you cut for it and the way that the band kind of expand on the idea that you started with, with that particular song? Um, well, <clears throat> Empire was a very uh, 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 
convoluted sort of process. I was writing some songs. Uh, I was writing some some pieces, some bits um, on 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 piano. Um, and because I'm not, you know, the world's greatest piano player, uh, they were all, you know, relatively short little atmospheric pieces that you might use as a, you know, as a as a as an intro or something like that. And um, the idea was, I had a couple of lines that were talking about one of the lines in the song, you know, uh, the, talking about a morning sunrise and red before the blue and the, the setting the setting a scene some, somehow, you know. And um, I was going to write it about uh, sort of First World War, air combat, you know, and and the idea of this this scene of tranquil beauty that shortly thereafter turned into this you know horrendous um you know air battles you know with with people dying in horrific circumstances and everything um but when i went round adrian's house we ended up writing a tune called death or glory and that was that tune and so i thought well i've got this these other couple of bits lying around i wonder what i could do with them and um i'm a bit of a fan of airships i have been ever since i was a little boy i made models of the r101 and i knew of its history and it's always been a bit of a it's the forgotten it's the forgotten titanic of the air if you like the in terms of the, you know uh disasters um that it, it's gen, a genuine tragedy in a way that the hindenburg it, it's the hindenburg was a tragedy but it was a tragic accident this one was more like, uh, uh, yes, it was an accident, but it was an accident waiting to happen in so many ways. Um, so I, I wanted to try and tell that story and the, the poignant end to the ship and the aftermath and, and everything. So I just started writing words and got a title and and realized that this little scene I'd set at dawn, as it were, um, that was going to be the the start point of a timeline of the song. So the song is the last day, um, the last the last eighteen hours or so in the life of this this airship and all the people that 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 sailed on her. So um, then I started. Then you then you start to just work through the stuff that happened and try and write appropriate music to go with it. And and as you go through, you add more bits and more bits and and you end. You end up at, 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 at 18 minutes. Um, now, when I was in the studio, um, they had a rather magnificent uh, grand piano in there, so I would stay late every night and be, you know, bashing away, finishing up the words and getting the arrangement together. And uh, in the end, that the whole thing was 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 pretty much complete. And I just showed it to everybody, and then we figured out how we were going to accomplish recording it because we'd never um we'd never had a song which was at least in the early stages of the song driven as it were com- uh, completely by piano wow uh, it, it is it is epic in length and yet you tell the story so well and it gives me a full understanding about where this you know the story that you're trying to tell here and and everything you just said i feel that when i hear that particular song that's magnificent Listen, another another, another song that's getting a lot of attention on this record is a song called Tears of a Clown, apparently inspired by the death of comedian Robin Williams. Tell me the story behind that one briefly. Well, I, I, I can't tell you the story 
behind it as well as Steve can because he wrote he wrote the the, the words. Okay. Um, uh, but when I sang the song, um, I remember you know thinking, wow, these these are really these are really very you know to the bone kind of words, you know. And so I, I you know I, I sang it and and then I had no idea it was about Robin Williams when I when I performed it. And I asked Steve afterwards. I said, "I said this is really kind of dark and personal. This stuff." I said, "What's it about?" And he went, "Robin Williams." I went, "Oh my God, okay, you know, because it, it it only recent. He'd only recently, you know, um, died. Um, and this was, you know, September, October time we were recording. You know, so um, it was only a couple of months previously. So he was, he was, you know, you know, very much in people's, you know, recent memories. Of course, he was." In a, amazing comedian and, and, and tragic figure, you know. You know, you brought up an interesting point here about singing somebody else's lyrics, and I asked this question uh, to Geddy Lee about what it's like singing lyrics that Neil Peart wrote, wrote for him. What type of collaboration do you have with the other guys in the band when it comes to preparing, let's say, singing a song? Do you just sing what's put in front um, of you, or is there a back and forth? Uh, well, in terms of Steve, I mean, m- most of the time he comes with a with a lyric. I mean, there are only two lyric writers in the band, essentially. I mean, uh, um, for most of its most of its history, it's been either me or Steve. Okay. Um, and we we do write from different uh, do write from different perspectives, and 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 over the years, um, I've gotten to understand a bit more of why he writes the way he does. Um, because sometimes his lyrics are, 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 I think, oh, that's quite poetic. Oh, that's really cool. And other times I think, why did he, why did he do that? You know, why did he have so many bloody syllables? You know, all going, you know, da 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 da. You know, you know why? And and it's because he's a bass player, and because he he he, he follows the meter absolutely. You know, uh, you know, slavishly because that's what he wants. Um, you know, I'm I'm a bit more laid back about it. I'm you know I'm more of a I'm more of a kind of a broad brushstroke with things. You know, it's the it's the sound of the word. Yeah. You know, more than you know just the 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 the, the meter behind it, um, which motivates me. But understanding why he writes in the way he does um, uh, means that. You know, I find it a lot easier to accept because <laughs> so, I can sort of understand where he's coming from now. Uh, but now, that's just taken a few years to get used to it. I've been told that the Book of Souls is not a concept record, but I'm going to ask you as you listen to it now: Is there a unifying theme, musically or lyrically, that runs through this record? Um, um, I can't honestly say there is. Okay. I mean, uh, uh, the, the yes. There are quite a few songs that uh, that have the word souls in it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but then there probably always have been. Um, if you uh, you know if you if if you look at bless old you know Ronnie uh, James Dio back in the day, you know if you look at the number of times that he had sort of like wizard wizard and rainbow in his in his lyrics, you know is this a concept album about wizards? You know no, it, it just so happens an awful lot of them in his lyrics. Um, so it's the same thing with us. I mean, there's no, there, there is no real, you know, overarching story uh, to the to the album. Uh, the songs are stories in and of themselves. 
let's talk about Iron Man going on tour. I understand uh, next year and possible Canadian dates in April. Uh, and once again, you're going to pilot a 747, um, which carries... Well, yeah. I, I mean, you true? say once again. I mean, we've never done this before. <laughs> okay, well, okay. A, it, I'll, I'll go back to the Flight 666 movie where you're piloting the plane which carries, you know, the crew, the band, and all mm-hmm. the gear around the world. And I guess that's why I'm saying again. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're the, the same sort of idea, but we, 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 before... You know, before we even started doing the album, and before uh, before you know, I, I I got sick and everything. Um, I'd already spoken to a, a guy about trying to get hold of a, uh, a 747 because I just thought, you know, if we're going to do it again, and I had a word with our manager, I said, would you be interested in doing another round the world tour? Expecting him to say, ah, no, we did that once, and he went, oh no, it's great because it's the only way we can get around a lot of these places that we really want to play so i went oh okay i'll i'll uh, i'll make uh, i'll make inquiries so um uh as you do <laughs> i knew a guy that had a few 747s sitting around that sounds like a very strange <laughs> thing to say but sure um and uh i said you don't happen to have a spare one do you and he said you know i do believe we do <laughs> <laughs> i like your friends I went, I don't, you don't want to lend it to us for a while, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 paint it up, put an eddy on the side and fly it around the world with Iron Maiden, do you? <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, give us, give us, give us a good price, you know, um, and that's how it started. Uh, and then fast forward to having done the album, uh, obviously we delayed uh, the tour because of, you know, my, the stuff going on with me. Yeah. Um, but the... Um, it gave us the opportunity to put the, the, the 747 project right back on track. So, uh, yeah, all very excited, very excited about this. Uh, we learned the convenience of flying uh, all your gear and your crew around the world, definitely. But wouldn't it be easier if you just let somebody else do the flying for you? You don't imagine that I'm going to pass up the opportunity of flying probably the coolest <laughs> one of the greatest airplanes ever built. <laughs> so, it's, so it's a good excuse to put the two together. Let me ask you an aviation question here. You guys, I have to ask you to wrap soon. Okay. Uh, according to aviation rules, what's the minimum amount of rest that you need before you get into the cockpit? So, uh, you know, let's say you finish a show. Uh, how soon can you get in the cockpit before you can fly? Uh, well, the, the typically min rest is uh, 12 hours. Okay. So you need a rest period of uh, 12 hours uh, or um, the entire period that you were on duty okay. uh, previously. So if it was 16 hours, you need a minimum of 16 hours rest um, before, you can, uh, uh, before you can fly. Um, and you need 12 hours. I mean, even if you only show up to work for, you know, um, th- you know three hours, um, <clears throat> you, you, then you still need 12 hours before you can show up to work again. So um, in my case, what, what we did on the last tour um, was we treated uh, a concert as being a flight duty period. In other words, I get back to the hotel, say, at, at, at 11 o'clock or something like that, which would mean that I couldn't report for duty uh, until 11 o'clock the following morning. So if the airplane was scheduled to leave at midday, um, I was out of the frame. Wow. Because I think we had a two-hour reporting time for the crew because it was a, uh, such an unusual um, operation. 
Um, so, yeah, that's how we did it. I mean, you know, you have to be responsible about it. It is an, it is an airliner. It's running as, you know, it is an airline operation. It's not, you know, it's a, whilst the outside of the airplane looks really cool and um, and it is, it is a very indescribably cool thing to do, uh, it's also uh, very important that, you know, in the background is, 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 a, is a full set of professionals all, you know, working away properly. Sounds kind of dull, doesn't it? It would yeah. be so much easier if we were all sort of like rock and roll animals. But actually, when it comes to flying airplanes, serious business. Two real quick questions, one about beer and one about Ed. Uh, I've seen the design for the plane. Ed is on the tail, or I guess what they call the vertical stabilizer. Uh, I was yeah, when yeah, I when I when I saw it, I was wondering: Has Ed's image ever showed up on any other pl- airplanes, like in the RAF or anything like that? I mean, it's pretty uh, awesome. Um, yeah, there's a couple of little private jets. There's okay. one. There's a there's a j- little private jet called the Eclipse. And if you Google it, you can uh, probably there's one in the UK that's got. Uh, uh, that's got actually it's two in the UK that have got uh, Trooper beer uh, on the front. Okay, now Trooper beer is your new beer that you that you have designed the recipe for. Are you going to be pouring Trooper beer when the band goes on tour? Are we going to be able to sample? Oh yeah! This? Oh my God! Yeah! 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 yeah. Right I mean, on. The, the only pro- the problem we have is that so many of the venues yeah. uh, are kind of like locked in with. Uh, you know, with existing um, suppliers and things like that. So it is it is difficult to kind of break that monopoly. But wherever possible, we will. Um, but you know, Trooper Beer is uh, we're 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 getting on for a forty percent increase in sales um, uh, from last year, this year, and we've we already passed the ten million pint mark uh, some time ago. Bruce, it's been a great pleasure. Up the Irons, Iron Maiden is back with a new album called The Book of Souls. It's on sale right now. Iron Maiden on tour next year, Canada, April. Thanks so much, Bruce. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. Thanks. Bye now. Bye now. Bye.